Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Economics. I am your host, Talia Murdoch, and today I will be discussing the economics of marijuana legalisation in light of recent changes to Canadian laws. I am very excited to announce that I will also be joined by Gustavo Tovar Albuquerque, a PhD candidate at UBC, for an interview about his research on medical marijuana legalisation and its impact on violent crime in California. So stick around for that. Okay, let's get right into it. As of October 17 this year, Canada will have legalised recreational marijuana. Is this an economically viable thing to do? There are many reasons, both economic and social, to legalise previously prohibited substances. There are also many reasons not to do this. First, let's look at the arguments in favour of these changes. Firstly, and in my opinion most significantly, legalisation reduces substance-related crime. In 2016, 58% of police reported Controlled Drugs and Substances Act offences were cannabis-related. That is equal to 55,000 people being charged with some form of punishment. Of those charges, the vast majority, at 76%, were possession-related, which simply means someone is caught carrying the drug as opposed to manufacturing and selling it in large quantities. The time and effort police officers would have to focus on first arresting an individual for possession, issuing an infringement, taking them to court and leaving them with a criminal record is high and could be better spent elsewhere. It is also arguable that this can be more damaging to a person's physical and mental health than actually consuming the drug as having a criminal record makes it harder to find a job, get a loan, rent housing, travel and much more, lowering an individual's quality of life. So now something new for the show. As I mentioned before, I spoke to Gustavo Albuquerque this week about marijuana legalization and its impact on violent crime in California. All right. So I'm speaking with Gustavo Albuquerque. Is that the right pronunciation? Uh, It's uh, Gustavo Albuquerque in Brazilian Portuguese, but I think it's fair. (laughs) Okay, great. So there you go, you have the authentic pronunciation right there. So (laughs) he studied marijuana legalization and the impact on violent crime in California. So I wanted to reach out to Gustavo to talk to him a little bit about his research and it worked out really well in light of the changes to legalization laws in Canada at the moment. So to start off, can you give us a bit of background about yourself and why you chose to undertake this research in Rio? Uh, okay, as I told you, uh, I'm Brazilian, and uh, I must I made this research as for, for my masters in economics, and this team was good because it's bring together two two opportunities at the same time. Uh, first, uh, this type of question about uh, drug legalization and the effects on it on crime is a thing that always interests me, not only because I, I come from a violent country, but also because, I mean, I was always kind of interested in these not so traditional economic uh, questions. So I always had an interest on, on this. And while I was uh, doing my master's, 
I discovered this method, the synthetic control. It's kind of new and it's it's very good for case studies. So I think there it was an opportunity to use a, a new method to examine a old question in a different way and shed some light on on the impact of a very policy relevant question. In this case, uh, legal, does legalization of marijuana helps or it's a problem in terms of crime? Yeah, it's definitely very topical um, at the moment, especially here and just all around the world. So without getting yeah. too mathematical, can you explain to our listeners what a synthetic control approach is? Okay. Okay, uh, the synthetic control, it's, it, it try to formalize something that's very simple and common sense, okay? So when, you will, when we try to understand the effect of some policy like tax cuts or more police or anything, a uh, very intuitive thing to do is to, comp is to compare uh, before with after, right? Uh, the problem is that sometimes uh, th there may be some other thing going going on that is maybe uh, nationwide, some nationwide trends that make you that you will confound your effect. So at the time when marijuana was legalized, uh, the U.S. was living a time of reducing crime rates. So I could not just compare before and after. Also, a very intuitive way to do this type of, to answer this type of questions is to compare California with another state, like say Texas or New Hampshire. Uh, the problem with this, that's the more traditional uh, study of case analysis, is that uh, it's kind of arbitrary what state you, you choose. So what the synthetic control does is that uh, it helps you to to choose your your comparison states in a more objective uh, and bias-free way, if I can say this. So the idea is that we choose we choose some variables that are correlated with crime, not necessarily that cause crime, uh, but which we chosen this we chose these variables and try to look for states we use a mathematical formula but basically we try to look for states that were close to california in these measures like uh for perhaps police comparative population uh previous crime rates unemployment gdp per capita this kind of stuff and then we arrived at uh, synthetic California, that is an average of or uh, weighted average of all US states that resembles California. And then we can look what happened to Rio, California, and what happened with this uh, fictional synthetic California and compare the trends. I, I don't know if I'm, are you, are you understanding this? I'm yeah, yeah, no, that, that 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 makes sense. So you sort of you're basically creating you you're like creating the state if 
if medical marijuana was never legalized or decriminalized because yeah. as you discuss in your paper it it's been like a pretty relaxed state so you're you're modeling it if it wasn't that way to sort of show what what actually was exactly. achieved or what happened so it's like i thought that was pretty cool i'd never come across that before because i haven't done any academic work myself is that a common method that people use or is it something that's kind of new it's kind of new this method was first presented in 2003 uh, but it was very it was very rough it was more formalized in 2010 uh, for academic purposes eight years is kind of new for a method especially in statistics still being discussed uh, about its strength its weakness uh, so it's kind of new and I mean, I think you even explained it better than me. That's 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 the idea. We try yeah. to 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 understand what would happen if, with California if marijuana if if medical marijuana was never legalized. And we do this by comparing it with other states. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the basic idea. Cool. So something else that you discuss in your paper, or I guess a challenge that you were presented, was that there is a scarcity of empirical evidence because obviously medical marijuana legalization is also a new thing to the world. It's only ever really been decriminalized. So there's not a whole lot of stats that you could use to say, well, this happened in this country. So we would expect this to happen here. How did you manage that challenge and how do you think that impacted your findings broadly um yeah uh, traditionally when i mean if i hadn't if i had if i have not the the synthetic control method i would try to do some more uh more common uh approach like regression with fixed effects that's uh that would be the usual way of doing but since medical marijuana was very uncommon. I had to use this, this synthetic contract. I, I think what what I'm trying to say is that since medical marijuana was a, it's a very uncommon thing, I had to rely on a case study. And synthetic control uh, allowed me to do this in a more robust way. Ideally, uh, the dream of a researcher, not necessarily a, a policymaker, would be to legalize marijuana in a few cities and prohibit in another and do this randomically this would be very costly and politically unacceptable so we have to just uh deal with the that we have in this case these experiments and do the best we can in this case uh a control uh synthetic control study a case study that takes advantage of the fact that marijuana was legalized for quite a time in California. Okay, cool. In a medical setting. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for um, talking about that again. So uh, something I wanted to ask is in your paper, you show a cool graph. I'm sure everyone else who listens to this is really into graphs if you're into economics, showing that the marijuana industry doubled between the year 2000 and 2010. I was just wondering if you could talk, okay. if you found anything else out about this and why it doubled. I'd be interested to know if it was because of price increases 
or the actual volume bought doubled or if it was a combination of both? Uh, it was a or if you don't know, that's both, fine. It was it, it was combination, but it was mostly uh, an increase in consumption. Uh, I used the data from the from the White House, and I, I'm having it here. I'm looking at it right now, and at two, uh, the year 2000, uh, the the marijuana consumption was 3,000 metric tons, and 2010 it was. 5,700, so it almost doubled. The price didn't move that much. That's really interesting. And I'm guessing that was because of medical legalization? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so because, I mean, okay. maybe part of it was, but uh, medical legalization is, I, I mean, at 2000, it was kind of uncommon. So yep. it's a nationwide trend. It's probably more of a cultural thing then. Probably. Cool. Probably. Uh, it's not what my research is about, but I'm guessing that's more. Yeah, true. yeah, I know. I'm asking you stuff that falls out of the specific <laughs> question that you are asked, which I know can probably be hard sometimes. Um, okay, so in your synthetic control approach, you removed a number of states that had similar medical marijuana laws, um, legalization from the data pool. Why did you take those states out? Okay, uh, the idea of, of the synthetic California is to estimate what would happen if California had not legalized marijuana. So I could not, using this average, states that did legalize marijuana in any way if i did that i would i would contaminate my my control group yeah cool so it's basically just because you were creating this fake economy like this fake california you can't base yeah, it on yeah, the whole what idea. you're trying to find out you have to remove any existence of medical marijuana legislation exactly the whole idea is to get a, a, a state that's very similar with, of, with California, but different only in the fact that it doesn't allow marijuana. So that was just a bit about all of the data and how you actually crunch the numbers. And now we'll move on to what I think is the fun side of it. And I'm sure you do too. I'm not sure. So you found a 12.8%. So let's round this up to 13% reduction in violent crime rates under medical marijuana legislation in California. Can you talk a bit about this? I, I think that's a, a number that's uh, relevant for policymaking in the sense that, uh, I mean, when you, when you have a policy that's mostly free for the state to reduce uh, violent crime, generally you should take it unless there, if there is a, a very bad side effect. Uh, I didn't study side effects in this particular research, but all research and even uh, anecdotal evidence from people who live in California show that, I mean, the, the sky didn't fall. There, there's, no, there's no big problem coming from, from marijuana legalization. So if you can reduce violent crime by it, I think that's that's relevant. 
but it's not a uh, sorry it's also important that it's good but it's also not uh, it, it's not the the solution for our crime 12.8% it's good but there is a still 82% that you you can't solve by just legalizing marijuana there's much more yeah. drug uh, much more crime in general and even drug related crime in particular so marijuana is just a fraction of it it's just one part and it's obviously not the only statistic to look at when policymakers are considering whether or not they should legalize but i think it's still a pretty I just, like it's a very positive outcome when i went in to read it i was thinking because i'm in favor of legalization i think economically it okay. makes sense to do but i was like oh i hope i don't find out that this actually increases violent crime rates you know when you have an opinion and you go to read what does the data say i don't know if i want to know but it was it was good to know that it falls in line with my ideas anyway so why so these were the findings that you had why do you think that this is the result that you got this i mean economics has a long history of especially Milton Friedman, of uh, warning that the effects of, I mean, of the warning about unintended effects of, of some state interventions, particularly prohibiting uh, trade and, and, I mean, prohibiting people from doing what they want. And this, in fact, was not, uh, the, the effect of, reducing crime was not very surprising because theoretically uh, there was there were also many economists from all the political spectrum that expected this type of result. Um, about the size of the effect, I think I'm also I was also not surprised. Uh, before doing this research, talking with fellow economists, uh, most of people thought it would be zero or a little negative. In fact, it's interesting that uh, outside university, everyone expect, expected that crime would would increase. But inside the university, some people said, uh, why are we doing this research? Obviously, it's not going to increase. Probably will not decrease that much. So uh, I think there was it's not very surprised for for academics, uh, but for population in general, it may be surprising. And the size of the effect falls mostly off in line of what I expected because marijuana is just one drug. Drug cartels negotiate much other drugs, so we should not expect marijuana legalization to solve our drug-related problems. So, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I just, I just talk about what people think and not why they think this. Just to talk a little, uh, when you, the, the, the main idea of why it should decrease is that when you prohibit marijuana, you create an incentive to people to sell it illegally because uh, once you reduce supply, the price increases and with the price increasing, more people will try to sell. And they will use this, uh, this, big, this profit, this big profit, to buy guns. Why they have to buy guns? Because they have to, to protect their business from the police and from other drug dealers. 
because we should remember that they don't have access to the judicial system. Uh, you can't you can't go to courts to enforce uh, debts or any other contracts you have in the drug market. So people rely on violence, and when you legalize marijuana, you bring this market to the to the legal economy. You you bring light to it. You bring justice, and this can having a, a calming effect. We don't see uh, alcohol dealers. You, do, you don't see uh, brewers fighting each other for for markets. They just fight with prices, not guns. That's about what's what's happening when you legalize marijuana. Um, I was just going to say, I think one of the other benefits to marijuana legalization or just any substance legalization is that governments then also have the capacity to regulate it to make sure it's safe and then also to tax it okay. so they can generate revenue and put it into specifically it would be nice if it went into programs for people who might be at risk if they're abusing drugs but i mean any revenue source for the government is going to be a positive thing so yeah yeah okay that's that there is a, a big case for marijuana legalization that's beyond uh, crime. Uh, I, I am not so informed about the details of it. I don't know how useful it can be for medical. Yeah. I bet it is, but I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't say. But I mean, uh, I don't I don't want to say that my 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 paper solves out the debate. It just tells a little thing about crime in particular. It doesn't talk about uh, civil rights, liberty, uh, government revenue, health. There is a health case for not legalizing. There is a health case for legalizing. So it's a, it's a very convoluted debate. And I, I hope I can help with just by these little points. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You pull all of the little points together. Exactly. Just to wrap up now for the interview side of it, what like data aside, economics aside, or you know, you could you can include that in your opinion. What what would you say that your general opinion on legalization of other illicit substances, including marijuana, is? And what would you tell policymakers across the world? Okay, uh, I, I I don't know if economics. As a group, economists as a group have a, a opinion in general. About, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't have the survey. I have a lot of economist friends. <laughs> That's yes. how, how I can say. So I, I, would, I would say, again, I'm guessing by my, my peer group that marijuana legalization is pretty popular. Uh, other substance would be more, more polemic. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure that the support of, let's say, cocaine legalization is much bigger among economists than from among general population. But uh, it's too bad that's kind of small. I mean, economists are a weird bunch. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I agree with that. Of, uh, a survey. <laughs> I'm not aware of yep. any survey. I, I, I think they are generally more, more pro legalization, but I, I don't have any any number. And about myself, um, now we are stepping ahead of 
my research and going about some policy making. Um, for marijuana, if 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 I was elected to 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 do whatever I wanted, I would legalize it. I mean, very soon I would just use the regulation have you or hit sorry just use the regulation that's uh is in of just use the alcohol regulation and i think yeah. that's good so it's and i say this because it's simpler to copy and paste a regulation than create from the from the scratch as canada is discovering right now <laughs> so yeah I think absolutely the, I think that's so uh it's so harmless you know uh there's I, i'm not aware of any research of very bad effects of marijuana legalization some some research say that there is a, some increase in consumption but it's not the type of uh it's not it's not sick people consumption no it's not like it's people using more socially so it's it's not it's not a big deal so I'd say do it and try to do careful but fast especially yep. in development countries like Brazil uh, for other drugs I would be much more careful because the thing about marijuana is that there's there's uh, no support for violent um, violent effects of marijuana people who use marijuana as a rule, there are exceptions, but as a rule, people who use marijuana don't turn more violent. Uh, the, the, the theory that it's kind of a drug that introduces you to other drugs is also not much accepted. So uh, the, the individual in drug-inducing effect of marijuana is probably not very high, probably even zero. But this is not true for cocaine or crack. So to be much more careful. All right, that's great. That's, that was really um, interesting. Do you have anything else you want to say? Okay, one that I want to answer it away. Uh, it's uh, you asked about significance and about confidence of the results, and I think this is uh, very important uh, in the following sense. The 12.8% reduction in violent crime is, is an estimate, is estimative. It's not a hard fact. Hard facts are very, very rare in social sciences, especially in case studies. Um, so I say that 12.8% is the best number I have. It's not something that I'll die for. I think the biggest lesson that uh, comes from this research is that if there is an effect, it's probably a reduction effect. Maybe the effect is not as big as 12.8. Maybe it's bigger. There is a degree of uncertainty in all these things. So I am very glad that you asked about my research. I'm very glad that people are listening to it. But I always say that you should not trust just one research, but a body of research, because, uh, I mean, things can go wrong in a lot of ways. I'm happy that most of researchers agree with me, 
but for people who are not scientists who are listening to this, uh, I say that you should not uh, trust one study, trust go around and say, yeah, this guy said that marijuana legalization will reduce crime by exactly 12.8%. No. <laughs> yeah. Say, okay, there's a study that shows good evidence that it will probably reduce crime by about 12.8%. And some studies that you can find in references say something very similar. That's that's the final message that I want to, to deliver. Yeah. That's great. It's it's good to have some healthy skepticism when it yeah. when it comes to science like this. Like yeah, don't just don't just believe what you read or hear from one person. We've seen firsthand over the last couple of years what that can do to the world. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good message to leave off on. Well, yeah, thanks so much. So there is one side of the story. But as Gustavo clearly said, to which I agree, there are many variables to consider with such a complex policy issue. Moving on now, another argument for legalization is drug regulation. When a government allows a product to be sold to consumers, that product is regulated to ensure it is safe and provided to consumers who are of a suitable age. Alcohol is the perfect example of this. It is a drug itself and it is legal. It can only be sold to people above a certain age, in licensed locations, from licensed retailers, and must be produced to meet regulatory standards that ensure it is safe to consume in varying recommended quantities. Further, and particularly if you consider tobacco now, these products contain warning labels about the negative impacts this type of substance use may have, as well as provide guides on the recommended intake. If you could buy, say, a bottle of vodka at a liquor store that is licensed and trusted, or your neighbor's moonshine made from who can really be sure under who knows what conditions, what would you do? So we've talked about crime and safety a bit. Now I want to talk about one of the biggest incentives for marijuana legalization in the world that we live in today. Money. In 2017, Statistics Canada estimated that the illegal pot market in the country was worth $5.7 billion. This is what people spent on marijuana in that year. Just 5% of the product was imported, and given that the plant is more or less the end product, it's pretty easy for it to remain local, meaning that there is potential for a legal $5.4 billion marijuana market in the country. This would generate a lot of tax revenue for the government to invest back into the community and employ a lot of people legally. Potentially. It is very important when considering the industry size, whether or not the legal market will be able to compete with the black market, even when the legislation becomes active. In the black market, the average price of a gram of marijuana is $7. Under the legal market, the pre-tax price for a gram will be $8.33. Then add another $1 or 10% in excise tax, whichever is higher, and 5 to 15% of sales tax, depending on the province, Canadians could be paying anywhere between $9.70 and $10.50 per gram for legal product if they are risk-averse and don't want to continue buying from the black market. Because let's be honest, the black market isn't going to just disappear. Taking this into account, more conservative estimates of the value of the legal marijuana industry in its first year come to approximately $2 billion. This is still very significant. 
And over the next few years, regulations will loosen up, the industry and market will learn and grow, with analysts predicting that the legal market will be able to compete on price, grow and generate more tax revenue. So let's now look at the arguments against. Health and cognitive function are arguably the most obvious risks associated with marijuana consumption. A paper out of Maastricht University in Germany provided the first solid causal evidence that illegal change in access to cannabis had a strong short-run impact on productivity. This study looked at college students in the Netherlands and their performance with legal pot. It was found that those who didn't consume the product were 9% more likely to perform better and 5.4% more likely to pass courses when they are restricted from accessing legal weed. Interestingly, the same results are seen as students reach the legal age to consume alcohol. Now this aside, it is still a fair argument to make, as lower cognitive performance can mean lower productivity among users. It is also important to note that this is for numerical-based tasks, so the overall effect may not be significant, as non-numerical tasks may improve. Another argument by opponents is that car accidents will increase as more drivers will be under the influence of the drug. Now, this one is hard to measure at the moment. It is hard for police to actually know how high a driver might be compared to alcohol, which they can just use a breathalyzer test for. In 2017, only 4% of DUI charges were drug-related, while the other 96% were alcohol-related in Canada. At the same time, though, Colorado, which has legalized marijuana for five years, saw a 14% increase in car accidents. But again, some of this could be due to an increased focus on the crime and an increased capacity to measure whether or not a driver has consumed marijuana. It is still a very fair risk though, and appropriate penalties should apply to anyone who is caught driving under the influence. And finally, something which has been disproven that I quickly want to mention is that youth consumption of marijuana will rise. This hasn't been the experience of the vast majority of countries and states post-legalization, so isn't really a fair argument. So there are many sides to this story. As an economist, I honestly think one of the opportunities of this legalization is data collection. Canada will be able to collect both provincial and countrywide information on marijuana consumption and its impacts, under different scenarios and markets, based on what each province decides. This will only help give a more comprehensive overview of what the legal market looks like, and what the black market looks like, for that matter, because even when it is illegal, there is still a demand across the country. It will definitely be interesting to watch it unfold. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything Economics. I won't have a new episode out next week, but will the week after as I won't have access to Cave Goblin Studio for the rest of this week. So feel free to listen to an older episode if you want your quick weekly fix. You can find the show on Twitter at Every Economics and follow the network at Cave Goblins across all social media platforms. Check out the website for other fun shows too, like Comedy Zeitgeist, a show where host Doug Vandalay talks Vancouver comedians about other comedians. Thanks again. Please rate and review the show and set it to auto-download. I hope you enjoyed the new format. I am Talia Murdoch and this has been Everything Economics.